Amplify your career through training and development solutions specifically designed for federal government professionals. From courses to help you attain or retain certification, to individualized coaching services, to programs that hone your leadership skills and business acumen. Management Concepts optimizes your professional development. Online, in person, individually, or groups. It's training that's measurably better. Learn more at managementconcepts.com. That's managementconcepts.com. Blog Talk Radio. This is Mark Grace, and you're listening to Ready to Unload with Cal and Sandpeed. Ready to unload with Cal and Sam Pete, New York Sports Talk Radio Show and Podcast, episode number 3.23. We are live on Thursday night from Bayside, New York, Freehold, New Jersey, and of course, Comac, New York. It is Thursday night. It is 9.30 p.m. It is time for Ready to Unload with Cal and Sam Pete. Another episode, another opening, another show in Philly, Boston, and Buffalo. Wow. So I opened the show with a line from a lavish Broadway musical. All right. Uh, we got a lot to talk to you about tonight. Uh, I could go down the rundown, but we're going to just get into it in a couple of minutes. But before we do that, for episode 3.23, live again, June 14th, 2012, tagged, tagged it. Let's, uh, boy, I I need to have the show wrestled from my hands. So let's bring in uh, my partner in crime, my partner in grime, my partner right here in this radio show, this podcast, here, not going to rhyme. Oh, I did it. Mr. Brian Calneva Calpino Cal, somebody's little girl turned nine years old today. Calvi. Hi, Cal. Hi, Steve. Hi, Brian Calvi. Well, what a day. What a day. I got to I got to talk about this. I we were having a party today with this idea that instead of doing a big party for Julia turning 9, ridiculous, turning Roy Hobbs today, Todd Hundley, Hi. Clark Gillies, Kirk Newenheis. Kirk Newenheis with two home runs today. Yeah. Number 9 with two home runs on Julia's ninth birthday. Uh I love this idea of you guys narrowed it down to four friends. That's right. For an intimate party at Dave and Buster's. Yeah. And I just have these this vision of uh what grade is she in now? Third? She's, yeah, she's in third grade. 
I just have these this vision of like her with one of her best friends, right? Like uh, Ocean's Eleven, like they're like Brad Pitt and George Clooney, and they're like planning a caper. We we had metaphors for this <laughs> uh, in our little RTU chat room with uh, Doctor Staff. Page, this was uh, absolutely hilarious today, hilarious. And uh, while we do that, let's let's bring you in. Let's bring in uh, Bishop Pop Culture PJ. He produces the show. He's not even supposed to be here tonight. The Bishop Pop Culture PJ. Wow, what are you, what are you doing with the levels? What are you doing with the fader? I'm not touching it. They working tonight? I said that. I guess so. I'm not touching it. What? That. I didn't do that. But I did that. Cut it out now. Hi, hi, Peach. Hi, Adon. Thank you, thank you. Well, welcome to the program. Yeah, yeah. Here so, I am. Cal, I need you before we get into the big unload. We're going to talk about R.A. Dickey's great game last night and the controversy surrounding it. Uh, the Mets' decision to appeal uh, an official scores ruling. Uh, has garnered more attention than R.A. Dickey's fantastic game. Uh, Cal has a lot to say about that. We're going to talk about uh, uh, Nick Swisher being voted the third most hated man in baseball by his peers, by other Major League Baseball players. Uh, We're going to talk about the Mets' uh, resiliency. We're going to talk about the Yankees, who are white-hot, taking on the white-hot Nationals. Everybody's hot. Uh, this weekend. That's a huge series with implications for the Mets and the Yanks, and the Yankees have really sort the of Bronx shut... The Bronx is burning. The Bronx is burning. The Yankees have sort of shut everybody up, so we're going to talk about that series. Uh, nice. the, the Nats are somehow 15 games over 500. I don't know when that happened. Um, we're going to talk about Darrell Rivas, Cal. I have an interesting take on Darrell Rivas mm-hmm. and the holdout. Okay. The potential holdout. I and, you know I I don't I'm not looking forward to talking about him. No no manner. I, you're gonna like this. All right. I got a spin, my brother. Color me skeptical, but all right. We're gonna talk about uh, uh, Twitter and John Roush being told to go kill yourself on Twitter. Love. Nice. Yeah, for Christmas. You stay classy, Twitter. And then uh, in the unload, we're gonna talk about uh, or the the uh, fun load, we're gonna talk about unwritten rules. So. But before we get to that, Peach, you got to hear Cal tell PJ what's going on with with your daughter's birthday. PJ, today is my daughter's birthday. Congratulations. Thank you. You've uh, you've been there before. She turns nine today. Mm-hmm. And uh, what we're doing this year for the first time is instead of having a party with all of her friends from school, which, from what I understand kind of stops around now. Is that true? Yep. Yeah. I was going to say, you're falling You're falling right in line. All right, good. What happens is, after the eighth birthday party, most parents' ears are still ringing months after. The headache <laughs> lingers. That's true. You hear the shrieking <laughs> in your dreams. It wakes you up to hear them continually shrieking as they did that night when you thought they would be sweet. Right. 
when you thought, oh, we'll do a couple of arts and crafts. It'll keep them busy. And those were all gone in the first 15 minutes. So then you panicked and gave them cake. (laughs) And they were completely sugared up for the last two hours of the party. And you couldn't wait for the parents to get back. And then the year after, you're like, you know what? Let's pare it down. And let's go out. (laughs) And that is exactly how it played out. Wow. That's fascinating. It's a piece of uh, suburbia. It's nice. So that's what so that's what we're doing this year. Is um, Julia uh, has selected three of her closest friends from amongst the roster of many. There were there were quite a number of applicants for this uh, for this gig. Now, who did the cutting? The the your daughter or the uh, or the parents? No, she did. She did the cutting. It was this was oh, wow. strictly on her. Yeah, she strictly wow. and and. Um, apparently, it was a bit of a no-brainer at this stage. She had she had three um, to kind of complete the core four, as we were talking about today, of, of third-grade friends. Core four. The core four. And uh, they're going to go to uh, Dave & Buster's. They're going to have a nice little uh, afternoon at Dave & Buster's next weekend, just the four of them. All right. But, now, are uh, you are you aware of how fast nine year old can burn through money? I'm sure you are. Yeah, <laughs> uh, yeah. If it's anything the way eight year olds burn through it, then I'm well aware. Yeah, I mean, so you're talking about you know kids running up to you for tokens and stuff, right? Right. Because you give them a hundred, and that's you know that's a half hour, maybe. Right. right. We immediately envisioned. Uh, like three different things. Like, Peach, I immediately envisioned the Ocean's Eleven scenario where uh, she's sitting, Julia's sitting with her best friend and saying, we need a grease man, right? We need a, <laughs> you know, we got a grease man. We got, we got three. We should, we should get four, right? We need one get, more. We should get a fourth, right? We need, we, we need one more. Uh, Evan immediately envisioned, is it going to be a golden ticket scenario? Is she giving out golden tickets to the three select people? Right, right. Uh, publicized. Right. Is it like a Wonka thing? Is that what she's doing? And uh, Dan envisioned uh, her taking applications for uh, who was likely to give the best presents. Right. <laughs> so, like, so tell me a little bit about what you gift normally yeah. for, a, for a birthday. This is all plausible. This, this yeah. actually does get discussed on the <laughs> playground. I know this. What is it that your parents drive? Yep. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to need to see the vehicle in which you will be arriving. I'd when like a when bin. Your mom and dad if shop you have for a presents, do they always go to Target, or like do sometimes maybe they go to Justice or what? <laughs> if you have a VIN number, I'll take that. That's fine, and we can yeah. run a quick we can run a quick check, and and we'll see what's what. Hypothetically speaking, if you were to bring a present, would it be in an envelope or or a bag <laughs> or a wrapped box? Just this vision of Julia, because the house always wins. Right. Yeah. You're right. You gamble big. You take the house. How was it? Too much? Did I rush it? I felt a little rushed. Uh, so that yeah, she's got a clipboard and everything. It's right, great. and then of course uh, Dan, our buddy Danny Bacala, just to uh, just to really stick the needle in, went with the core four of the Yankees. Right. So she, he wanted to know who's going to be her uh, Posada Pettit and uh, uh, what do you call it? Mariano. They get to dress up as their favorite member of the That's Core right. Four. <laughs> they dress up as their favorite member of the Yankee Core Four. That's their plan. Yeah, wow. which would which would make you day. I, I, Cal, I love this plan. And and now PJ has illuminated 
why why it's in place. <laughs> yeah, that's that is. I mean, that was dead on. It's an, well, it's an evolution. It's it's you know. I still you, hear you, the you, shrieking. Yeah, you, you're gonna you're gonna you're gonna push a lot of the activities you know outside the house. I think until they're about twelve. 30. And then and then they want to go to the mall on a Friday night and be left alone, and then you're going to start trying to reel them back in again. Right. Right. So you're about to hit – you're going to hit 11 this year with Lily Peach again. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's getting crazy now. Yeah, well, she thinks she's getting an iPhone 5. I mean, she she lives on, you know, the one that's the not planet out yet? Mysterio right now. <laughs> oh, yeah, you're going to get me an iPhone 5. No, I'm not. What? No. No. I don't know. I don't know what what are you talking? It's not even out yet. That's right. No. Why do you why do you know that? Be lucky if you get a refurbished nano with a cracked screen. And you'll take it and you'll like it. Exactly. And you will like it. <laughs> you will like it because it's it's 17,000 times the uh player, music player, musical device that I had when I was your age. I was working with a cassette recorder with a handle. Me and my mixtapes. Playing Def Leppard tapes. All right? Pyro Nine? Nine. That's right. Yeah. At 10. Oh, sure. Scott had, well, Scott had my older, I had an older brother. You didn't have, you didn't have the older sibling, Cal. No, so I was the trailblazer for all that stuff. That's right. So I'm, you know, you you have the two younger sisters. I have the older brother. I'm listening to Pyromania at that time. Yeah. On tape. On vinyl. Scott had, Scott had Pyromania on vinyl. That was, uh, Scott had quite a collection. He really did a nice job. Well, I told you what happened to me, the reason I went gangbusters, right? You're a gangbuster? What? I have a, I have a great cousin. And I, I was 11 years old, and I called my cousin Anthony, and I said... Naturally. I, I, think, I, I think I like music. Right. Do you have any records? And he's like, sure. And he put his entire album collection in the back of his car and drove it over. That's and, he let me, and he left it there for like a month, and he let me tape every album that he had. It changed I have this, my life. I wow. have I have this vision of your cousin of your cousin being like an Italian Lester Bangs from almost <laughs> <laughs> like 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 Philip Seymour Hoffman in uh, Almost Famous. Right, just tell him the story about every every song you hear. Right, yeah. this is a story. This, but he's Italian, so it's well. If you want, if you want a picture of him physically, uh, picture uh, John Cazale with uh, with sandy hair. Right, that's, that's this, him. This is Iggy and the Stooges. Okay, you yeah. gotta listen to this. It's gonna good. blow your mind. This is good. This is Pink Floyd, The Wall, but don't play it loud because it says balls, and your mom will get mad. <laughs> You've never heard anything like this before in your life. I mean, that, that, whole was, world but that was actually a warning. He really did say that to me. No, I'm bad. Oh, we were we were busy, uh, you know, holding up the uh, the inside jacket of Led Zeppelin four on the album, trying holding it up to the mirror so you can see all the with the you know the sure. the picture of the, of the hermit or whatever mm-hmm. holding the lantern, the old man holding the lantern, and if you hold it up to the Mirror, you see the Battle of Evermore in uh, in the mountain and stuff. Oh, we were doing all that stuff. Eleven toy because Dan and I had older brothers. That's true. So they had all this stuff. You had Ugats. You got nothing. That's right. All right, time.
don't understand it. What? 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 Very tribal. I don't. I don't know how I got the remix version of it in the big country. You don't like the long intro? It's, I want to. I, I like it. When I want to hear in a big country, I want to hear it. Let's get right to it. Well, don't, don't play have, too much I, of it. Otherwise, we're going to have to pay for it. Turn it off. Right. I don't. You, you're you're playing too much. Who could it be now? And I got phone calls last week. <laughs> All right, it's time for the big unload. Uh, Cal is going to do the honors this week and get us going. Uh, PJ, we'll talk to you in a bit. Uh, I want you to prepare for the unwritten rules segment. Well, I, I got a few things to say, uh, other, uh, just, you know, in general. But we'll get to it. We'll see. In general? All right. In, in general, I got bones to pick. We also want to hear why you're so hoarse tonight. <laughs> Throat hurts a little bit, right? <laughs> All right, we'll talk to you in a bit. Cal, the uh, the big unload tonight uh, brought to you by PJ's Horse Voice. If you want to sound like B. Author, watch PJ's Kids for a day. Because that's why he sounds like that. If you want to sound like Robert Loggia, Robert Loggia. Do Cal, a B. Arthur impression. Do a B. Arthur, but Cal, let's, let's do the big unload. R, as in Robert Loggia. Oh, as in, oh my God, that's Robert Loggia. <laughs> I'm, there's so many references on Family Guy that it's like, throughout the course of that show, I, I really, I got to be honest, I don't watch anymore, Cal. I don't know if you do. I feel like it sort of jumped the shark a little bit. You know, I don't, I don't watch it anymore. But if I do happen to put it on, I still find it incredibly hysterical. A- absolutely, but there's so many references like that that they got that just made you feel like they were sitting around with like you and like Seth MacFarlane was sitting around with you and your friends. Like it's right. such inside thing, mm-hmm. you know, but I guess, uh, I guess many of our little references and stuff are a little more out there in the, uh, collective conscience. It's not just us after all. It's not just us being uh, goofballs. All right. The big unload brought to you by Robert Loja. Tell them we know how to take those bastards down. That's my favorite, my favorite Loja line from, uh, what do you call it? Armageddon. No. No, not Armageddon. The other one. The other one. <laughs> the Will Smith one. Independence Day. Independence, Independence Day. Day. Get on the horn and tell him we know how to take those bastards down. A movie he did with Bill Pullman, just like the David Lynch movie. However, Bill Pullman is doing, and this is... Not my observation. This has been widely said. Bill Pullman, Pullman is doing his best Robert Loggia. That's true. Yeah, he's as, doing that. As president of the United voice. States. Today is your Independence Day. I'd like to thank my acting teacher, Robert Loggia. Uh, <laughs> all, right. all right, Cal, the big unload. The Mets, R.A. Dickey, R.A. Ridiculous. Oh, I said it. Oh, really? He was so good last night, Cal. I mean, he was ridiculous. It was ridiculous. He was ridiculous. That was one of the one of the finest pitching performances I've ever seen. Probably. I mean, there were two balls hit hard that were both foul, and that was it. Literally, like that was it. Yeah, the whole night. Everything else was either a strikeout, a routine fly ball, a pop up, or a ground ball. Uh, it was an incredible performance, but. It being the Mets, 
tainted love. Only the Mets. Why, Bry? Only the Mets could have one of the greatest performances in the history of their franchise be tainted and have all of the focus the next day not be on the performance of R.A. Dickey last night and his 12 strikeouts and his one-hit complete game masterpiece. Oh, no. No, 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 no. The focus is on what the Mets did after the game. Let me back up a little bit. For those of you that weren't watching or don't know what happened, uh, R.A. Dickey pitching against the Tampa Bay Rays last night. And in the first inning, B.J. Upton hits a uh, chopper, an artificial turf chopper down to third base. David Wright, as he's done so many times, whoop, yes. I was going to say he gets the first two batters of the game on strikeouts. So he strikes oh. out the first two guys in right. the game. Right. Right. For the uh, the one and the two uh, strikeouts, like convincingly, like basically on seven pitches. Right. Foolish. Like, like they're like – they're, uh, Hitting against a wiffle ball pitcher. You can tell the knuckleball is dancing already. It's, work, it's working the first last two pitch, The first two batters in, you're like, oh boy, could be one of those nights. So Upton hits a chopper down to third. David Wright, uh, knowing that Upton is fleet of foot, instead of trying to glove the ball, it's one of those turf hops, too, where the first hop goes high and the second one is a quick one, um, tries to barehand the ball, and the ball goes off of his hand and into foul territory for what was ruled an infield single. No no controversy about it at the time either. No, nobody nobody thought anything of it. Like, oh, I went off his hand, it's a single. I, I, I got to stop you, Bri, for one reason. Please. I did. You did what? I thought about the scoring at the time. Apparently so did my father. I we'll actually... Get, we'll get into that later. I actually... Uh, was was I watching the game? I was watching the game. And I actually checked my phone between innings to see if it was scored a hit or an error. Why? Because I felt like he might have the, the way he's been pitching. Going up against an American League team that strikes out a ton, that has never seen him, with a bunch of young hitters, I thought he might have a shot at a no-hitter. I really did. All right, so I'm going to interrupt the big unload right now. <laughs> We're just going to put a stop on this because We're I need pa- to ask- hit the pause. Hit the pause button. The big unload is is uh, been interrupted by a special bulletin because I've got a question for you now. All right, sir. So you're telling me, <laughs> yes, Stephen, yes, the New York Mets who went. 50-plus years without a no-hitter. Correct. 8,020 games. 19. 8,019 games without pitching a no-hitter. Correct. Right? Not a one. 30-something one-hitters, not a single no-hitter. They finally get the no-hitter they've been waiting 50 years for two weeks ago. Correct. And less than 14 days later, you are thinking about another no-hitter. That's correct. In the first inning. That's right. Okay. I just wanted to make sure I had that. I only for for two reasons. One, the monkey's off the back now, baby. Oh, so what is like the the horses are out of the barn? And, That's correct. You know. Any other cliche you want to use? The faucet is turned on. Whatever. Whatever. Uh, so so here here comes the free flowing no hitters. That's correct. We're gonna be lousy with no hitters. <laughs> okay. No, but 
I think the monkey's off the back. I think the jinx is over. Okay. okay. And two, and two, I hearken back to I hearken, I hearken back to uh, 1985, 84, 85. Gooden against the Cubs. Uh, one of the finest games I've ever seen pitched. 17 strikeouts, a one-hitter, complete game shutout, uh, no walks, maybe one walk. Was that, um, was that the Keith Moreland? That was the, Keith, that was the Keith Moreland in the first inning. Little, uh, 1984. Little, 84. Friday night, it was USA Cap night. It was a Friday night, and I think it was – I thought it was the fifth inning, but I might be wrong. I thought it was the first. It was early. It was early. Um. I would be, in fact, I would be genuinely surprised if it was the fifth Friday. I think it was the first thing, but either way, it was a little dribbler up the line that Ray Knight tried. Uh, not Ray Knight, Hubie Brooks, probably at that point in '84. They didn't have Knight yet, right? They did. They got him late in the year in '84. So maybe it was Knight then. I think it, it was. was a, it was a Friday night in September. Mm-hmm. Or maybe Final score, August. I think, was ten-one or ten. Yeah, in, in August or whatever. Oh, it was September. It was. It, it was smack it, in the middle of the pennant race. I know it was USA Cap Night. That much I know. Because Uncle Vinny was there and he got a USA cap. It had to be 84 then because of the Olympics. Yeah, it was 84. I know that. Right. So anyway, uh, Keith Moreland hits this little dribbler up the line. It was nice. Tries to barehand it and throw him out. Can't make the play. They rule it a hit. Okay, so that's sticking in my mind last night. After that Upton hit, I thought about it at the time. I did because he struck the first two batters. First of all, he struck the two first two batters out so convincingly. He's been so ridiculously good, Bry, that you almost have felt like in this streak that he's on, he's going to throw a no-hitter. I mean, this is a guy who threw a perfect game in the minor leagues except for the leadoff guy. Wow. You know, so I, I, did, I, I wouldn't say I spent more than a few seconds on it, but I did think it. And then once he got to the third inning and he was completely dominant, then I definitely was thinking about it. Then I definitely was thinking about, I need to see that play again. Literally in the third inning, I'm thinking it. After he gets, you know, he gets the side in the third and he's got like six strikeouts through three and he's just dominant. Uh-huh. So I, I, I'm, I, I did, right? I really did. I thought about it in the first inning. Correct. All right. Well, hey, look. You know, it was the fifth inning, by the way. Okay. Keith Moreland beat out a grounder to the third, and Rain Knight <laughs> barehanded it. Could have gone either way. Right. I love what, that our research department, I mean, fantastic job right there. Well. That was almost as if Dr. E. Ray Stat was still with the show. Because he's, he's moved on. We we uh, we wish him well. Eerily similar. Let's let's The, the similarities, it was a 10 nothing victory. Last night was a 9-1 victory. Yep. Uh, one hit, eleven strikeouts for for Gooden. Only eleven. Eleven strikeouts. One hit, twelve strikeouts for for Dickey last night. Right. Um, any walks for Gooden? Uh, no walks. No walks. No walks for Dickey. No walks for Dickey. <clears throat> the uh, the only hit was a a questionable infield hit right. for the third baseman. A bleeder. Very similar. Yes. What where it differs though. <laughs> yes. There is there is one very important difference in the in in the way the story plays out. In 1984, the Mets did not appeal that error, that hit the next day to the league office in hopes of having 
the hit turned into an error, thus creating a no-hitter for Dwight Gooden. Correct. Whereas the the Mets did appeal the commissioner's office after last night's game in an attempt to turn David Wright's uh, infield, the infield hit to David Wright into an error, which would give R.A. Dickey a no-hitter. Correct. We can all agree, I think, uh, fans and naysayers alike can all agree that the chances of this happening are pretty slim. Well, the Mets did. The Mets knew it was a, a long shot. Correct. But they figured, hey, what the hell? Let's, you know, what could it hurt? What could they say? No. So we we ask, you know, we'll see what happens. If it's no, then it's no. R.A. Dickey says, you know, if, if it's no, then it's no. If, if like, they give me a no-hitter, there'll kind of be an asterisk next to it. But whatever it is, it is. No big deal. Every, you know, and, that, and that should have been the end of it. And, and there's one more thing to add to this, though. That that seemingly has gotten glossed over today in the uh, absolute hysteria over the Mets' goal to uh, appeal this ruling by the official scorer. And that is, he went out and retired the next 22 guys. Okay? He, into the ninth inning. And then uh, the you know the second batter in the ninth inning got on or the, was it the leadoff guy? In the ninth inning, it was the second batter. Yeah, he got so the he, first he got out. One, he got one out in the ninth, and then uh, a guy reached on another David Wright error or the first David Wright error of the game. But we're not talking about a guy who then went on to walk seven and have uh, you know great play after great play made behind him in the field that kept a no hitter alive or. Maybe even a guy hit a ball that was fair that the umpire missed and called foul. We're not talking about any of that. He went out there after the Upton hit and was as dominant as you can possibly be in a baseball game. He retired the next 22 batters, and even the error to David Wright was not a hard-hit ball. It was a routine ground ball that David Wright threw high. Okay, He, He would have taken a perfect game into the ninth inning. Okay, so we're we're not talking about, you know, they appealed it because of that. Right. I I think if it was a game where he went out and struggled or something like that or, or you know, wasn't nearly as dominant as he was, they wouldn't appeal it. They they almost are like, oh, we'll take a shot, you know, we doubt very highly it's going to happen. It's a complete Hail Mary. But if it does, it was worthy of it because this was a fantastically pitched game. And this is one of the better games you'll see pitched <laughs> by a knuckleballer who has struck out 58 guys in his last six starts and not walked one. He's walked four. Uh, four, I'm sorry. 58 and four. But still, less than one a game <laughs> from a knuckleballer. From a knuckleballer. Right. That's unheard of. So anyway, I just had to add that. Well, and and, and that's that's part of the whole story here because today, and, and it started it started last night, after the game, uh, you go on Twitter and you start reading reports of the game and the beat writers are filing their stories. And I'll, here, I will give them credit. I'll be fair. And I will say that the first story was R.A. Dickey pitches a one-hitter. He had magnificent, magnificent stuff. He, he struck out 12 guys. He made Tampa Bay look silly. And, and they gave R.A. Dickey credit. And that's fine. But everything – once they, they got that out of the way, like that, that detail <laughs> – 
the story shifted gears dramatically to the fact that the Mets decided to appeal that infield hit. And it really took on a, a life of its own. Last night, a little bit, and then this morning, when I went on Twitter just to kind of check the morning, the morning posts uh, of, of the beat writers, and every single writer had a comment about it. Every single one. National writers, local writers, all had a comment about it. Yeah, and 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 I I I was I really they, normally they 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 get on my nerves and they aggravate me and I gotta I just gotta put it away, but today I was just confused. I I I really thought I was missing something because I don't recall the Mets making this grandiose thing about well we were wronged and we're gonna get our no hitter be damned and, and I, <laughs> I didn't I don't I I missed that you know I just that's, thought it was a that's because hey, they didn't do it. I know. I thought it was just, hey, let's let's give it a shot. What what's the worst that that could happen? Well, apparently the worst that could happen is they will get ridiculed and ripped to shreds once again for something innocent. Yeah. You know? And it just it, that's the part that bothers me is is why everybody feels the need to, you know, that we're still not hearing the end of the fact that they were they they dared sell reprints of tickets from the Johan Santana no hitter, yeah. You know, that that's that's still pops it's, up from time to time. So ridiculous. Of course, it's ridiculous. But I just, I just, I didn't understand. It. And and so I figured, all right, this morning, everybody's filing their first reports and and blah blah blah. Have your fun at the expense of the Mets, whatever. But it continued all day long, even through it was it was almost as if, oh, jeez. The Mets have a game to play to get in the middle of, of all of our ranting about what they did last night. All right, well, I guess let's, let's let these three hours get through. And, and Oh, they won the game? Great. Oh, they swept Tampa Bay, a first-place team? That's great. But really, let's get back to the real story here. How dare they? Right. I, I'm, I'm offended. I'm insulted. They, they, should, they, they, should just, they should cancel the appeal. You know? Right. We heard uh, if... if if the commissioner turns this into a no-hitter, it would be the worst thing ever. Yeah. The worst thing that ever happened. That's right. Worst thing in baseball. Worst thing, yeah. You, the, and, and, and apparently the Tigers, didn't, the Tigers didn't appeal when Jim Joyce blew the call at first base. Right. You know, on the perfect game. Now, correct me if I'm wrong, Brian, but they can't. Not on that, they can't. They can't appeal an umpire's call in no. game. No, they can't. They can't. The other, oh, the other, the, the other big. I, I feel like half the reason the Mets are appealing is because they can. Why and and why not? Right, you can appeal an official scores, and also, you know what? They had a no hitter two weeks ago. Right. If it, if it was somehow miraculously overturned, fine. Put an asterisk next to it. Knock yourself out. But because they had a no hitter two weeks ago. This becomes greedy. Right. That's one that I saw. Greedy. <laughs> greedy. Is, they're, they're greedy. Uh, it's tasteless. Right. Um, I didn't see them rushing to appeal when uh, Carlos Beltran was called for a foul ball two weeks ago when it should have been a single. Can't appeal that. Well, but they weren't. But that don't let that get in the way of the narrative <laughs> of, of the Mets being. You can't appeal that. The Cardinals can't appeal that. The call is made. It's done. He can come out and argue the call. If they don't overturn it at the time, you can't appeal it after the fact. It would have changed the whole game. 
I just I just don't understand it. I, I, I do. Don't I, I do, Brian. What is it? Can you can you it's, explain it to me? It's, it's there. There's a now before I explain it to you or what I at least my take on it. Let me ask you a question. Should they have appealed, in your opinion? I look. I I thought it was a hit. I don't think there's really anything to appeal, but I don't see the harm in it. Okay. It's just so they appeal it. Big deal. And I agree. I think the official score got it right. Mm-hmm. But it was not a no-brainer. No, it was certainly not. Not a no-brainer. There's room for conjecture. You could make you could make an argument that it was an error. But I think we make that argument with the with the benefit of hindsight because in the moment, in the first inning of a game, the, nothing has really happened in yet. When I saw it, and and where it is in the game shouldn't affect it, right? I mean, if that happens, if that happens in the ninth inning, it's either a hit or an error. Right. It shouldn't affect it, but when you look back on how the game eventually played out, and then you look at that play, right, it's very easy to think, oh, well, that should have been an error. Right, but I don't think. Uh, but and again, that's to the point of what's with the hysteria. I don't think anybody's doing that. I don't. Think I, don't th- I don't think. I don't think the Mets got to the end of the game and saw the game result. All right. Now again, if if he throws a three hitter, they probably wouldn't appeal it. Of it's the not. fact that he threw a one hitter where he struck out twelve, retired twenty four of twenty five batters before the seventh, uh, the ninth inning, or into the ninth inning, and threw a ridiculously dominant game. Mm-hmm. And the one hit that there was in the game was questionable. You know, so why not appeal it? So I don't have a huge problem with them appealing it. I don't either. I don't think it's that big a deal at all. And 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 they also did it full well knowing it probably wasn't going to be overturned. Right. Like Terry Collins says, there's not a chance in hell they're going to overturn it, but we figured what the hell. Right. Now, does Terry Collins deserve to get a hit, take a hit for that? Because it was, you know, the other thing you heard was, well, it wasn't Dickey, so you can't get on Dickey for doing it. You know, right. it, it was, was, I mean, I think Collins said he did it. So, but so what? So, right. No, I'm saying like Dickey won't take the hit for it. Collins will. Right. But, but, but should Collins even take a hit for it? Not in my opinion, but I'll, I'll, oh. I'll, I'll tell you why it's, because I'll tell you why people are all up in arms. Tell me why. Two, two reasons. One. There's a there's a I think a feeling especially among the beat writers and stuff like that that uh they should be grateful that they got the Santana no hitter because of the Beltran play. I can see that. Okay. So they should really keep their mouth shut. You know, and and not 2 weeks later be trying to get a score change so they can you know have another no hitter. Right. Why don't you worry about your next series rather than focus on right getting a no hitter? Right. And P.S. They went out and swept the Rays today, so they obviously weren't too concerned with, about Dickey and the appeal. No. And they outscored the Rays, uh, you know, twenty-six to whatever eight or nine in the three-game set. But anyway, that's part of it. The other part of it is it's the Mets. It's the Mets. It's sometimes it's just that simple in this town that there's so much bad will, there's so much negativity surrounding the team, still. <laughs> that they haven't shaken off, that it's the Mets. That, that this is something that you would hear a Mike Francesa say, the Yankees would never do this. Because the Yankees wouldn't want to no-hitter that way. You know what I mean? Like, it, it makes them, to to certain people, it makes them look classless. Right. And it's just a way to bag on them, whatever. I You know, the whole thing was so 
to to make that the story and not the fact that every time this team is about to have dirt thrown on the season, you know, dirt thrown on the casket of the season mm-hmm. at the grave site, they rebound and show you that they're not just going to go away. They get swept by the Yankees. They lose five of six. They, you know, they lose two out of three of the Nats, get swept by the Yankees in a really gut-wrenching series other than Friday night where you know, Santana got knocked around the park and Nick Swisher decided that he was going to celebrate home runs as if uh, they were life-changing epic events. Uh, but that's okay. He's having fun, bro. Bro, he's having fun. All right, bro? Come on. <laughs> Definitely, man. Definitely. Yeah, we're just having fun out there, yeah. Yeah, you know, bro, you know, bro. Come on, man. Definitely, man. Um, but anyway, the, the, in tight games, they lose five out of six. They got to go down to Tampa, play another first place team, face Price and Hellickson, uh, the pitching rich Rays, blah 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 blah, and they swept them. And Ike Davis has suddenly remembered that it's a baseball season. And and Jason Bay even hits a home run today, and they get that performance out of Dickey yesterday. They get a good performance out of Chris Young, serviceable. They get Santana through five, you know, into the six today because they build up a big lead and Kirk Neuenheis hits two home runs today. I mean, that's the story. The story is no matter how much these people want this team to go away, they're not going away. Which, which again, brings me back to some confusion. Why, as, if, as a writer, if you claim you have no agenda and you root for stories ah. instead of teams – no, seriously. If you root for stories, why would you want this story to go away? Because it's a story. Because you have said since February that they're going to suck. And if they don't suck, you're going to look like an idiot. Period. That's why they, 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 they want this team to suck. They say, you know, I, I'm sorry, but I think guys like Adam Rubin you know, or whatever, still want this team to lose 100 games. Well, yeah, because they have agendas. And and the other guys that, you know, just want to snark their way through life want them to lose so that they can pull out their witty uh, material. Right. And you know what? i got to give credit to a guy who I've never given credit to before, Cal, and that's John Harper. Uh, because his last few articles that I've read, his last few columns about the Mets, it's not necessarily that they've been very positive, They've just been very – they've very much acknowledged that this team is gutty, gritty, and he stopped using the, you know, it's only this or we'll see or enjoy it while it lasts. Like he stopped using that angle and he started writing like, I, you know, not necessarily I was wrong, but almost I was wrong if they get this kind of starting pitching. They can, they can, you know, it's shaping up that they can be competitive. And and credit to Terry Collins and credit to David Wright and you know what I mean. Like he's he's written some articles that again, it's not like he's gotten the pom poms out. He's just played it fair. Well, I, I think it'd be a little disingenuous if he got the pom poms out. So I I, I yeah. appreciate that he's he's tempering it. Yeah, he's he's playing it fair. His last few columns to me played it fair. But look. I agree with you. It's much ado about nothing. It's the Mets. You know, we just talked about the idea that, again, this team just sweat. Now, remember you said a couple weeks ago, right, they had the big, what was it, 25 games? Twenty. Yeah, let's let's take a moment to revisit that. 25 games. Eight let's series, take a moment. Eight consecutive series against teams over 500. 
starting, 25 straight games. Now hell that's, month. That started with the Phillies, who were over 500 at the time, correct? At the time, so that, so that counts. Right. So that started with the Phillies series. Uh, they lost two of three to the Phillies. I, I, I have already done the math, but let's just do it together. Right. I've done the math, too. <laughs> And I know what they need to do in the last nine. We're such tools. Oh, it's horrible. (laughs) I don't know if that's going to apply here. Put the put the put the robe on. You said it was was it twenty five games? It was twenty five games. Yes. You said you would sign in a heartbeat for twelve and thirteen. I did because because that would leave them at the time. I think they were five games over. I think there were six. Maybe they were six. So they were so six. Because so they, they had just taken three out of four from the Padres. Right. So that would, they were six games over. That would have left them, at the end of this massive stretch, still five games over. They would have gotten through it, and then their schedule gets considerably easier after that. So no. that's, what I, that's what I would have signed for. You were looking for 14 and 11. Yes. That's right. And, and let's see where they are. So three against the Phillies. They uh, went one and two. Right. Correct? Yes. Then the Cardinals come into town. They take three out of four. Right. So they're at four and three. Correct. Then they go to the Nats, lose two out of three. So they are now at five and five. Right. They go to the Yankees. They get swept. Five and eight. They go to the Rays. They sweep. Eight and eight. Eight and eight. Now, they have three against Cincinnati, three against the Orioles, and three against the Yankees. That's correct. Right? So those nine games left in hell month. Dun, dun, dun. Squeeb, squeeb, squeeb. It's hell month! <laughs> the Mets are apparently pledging this month. <laughs> uh, the Mets are sitting in a Roman chair somewhere, holding books up or whatever. Did you ever... You didn't. You weren't in a fraternity, right, Cal? I was not. I was. Hmm. I was in a fraternity. Does that surprise you? No. Okay. It does not. I knew, but it doesn't because I knew. Right, but I think that, <laughs> I think I'm insulted though a little. Why? Because you don't think of yourself as a frat boy. Why? Well, I, I wasn't. Fraternities, well, no, fraternities, weren't. fraternities weren't that big a deal at my school. There were only like ten of them, okay. and you you didn't need to be. I'm defending myself. Am I too defensive? No, no reason to be. <laughs> I just went. I just went all Nathan Thurm on us again. No, I'm not being. Def- I'm not. I'm, I'm not being defensive. You're being defensive. I didn't. I didn't even say it. I'm not a frat boy. Who said frat boy? You did. Anyway, um, yes. So, so the Mets are pledging. I did go swisher there. Um, God, you're such a swisher. Um, so the Mets uh, have nine games left here, right? Right. Five, uh, nine. Nine games at home. It's a nine-game homestand. After right. after what is arguably the, the the toughest road trip of the year. No, I think it's only six. I think I thought the three were in Baltimore on the road. No. Oh no 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 no. You show. Yep. Three at Cincinnati. Three at home against Baltimore because Monday night is social media night at the park. Nice. And uh, then three against the Yankees next weekend. So nine at home. Okay. So three. Oh, so they need to go for me. They need to go five and four, uh, six and three. For you, they would need to go the yes. So they would essentially just have to win each series. Right. For you, all they got to do is go five and uh, four and five. Four and five would would be get you home. Four and four and five would get me to where I'm okay with it. Five and four 
which is not really a huge stretch to win one extra game would be would be remarkable. Right. And I I want six and three. How's that sound? Well, let's see. Okay. I, I you know and and after they lost to the Yankees, I was really um, you were I down. Was down. I was down in the dumps. <laughs> you were uh, walking around with the Charlie Brown music on, like an Arrested Development. You know what I did. And I'll admit it because it's embarrassing, but I was in a really bad place. Sunday evening. What did you eat? <laughs> I ate a whole like, pint of ice cream. Right. I feel like this was about to be a Ben and Jerry story. I had a good cry. <laughs> I curled up with a blanket. I didn't know. I didn't. I didn't do. I didn't do any of that. I did something. I did something much more uh, embarrassing. Okay. Than all of that. I was just I was fiddling with YouTube, looking at videos, right? And I came across um, the Harvard baseball team lip syncing to that song "Call Me Maybe," <laughs> yes. and I spent the next forty five minutes looking at various lip sync versions of that song, from <laughs> from uh, teen starlets to uh, Miss America contestants, Donald Trump. Wow. Yeah, and I just I, uh, Jimmy Fallon did a version of it with the Roots. That's not good for you. This is all I did for forty five minutes. Wow. And 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 just the icing on that whole thing was I found I found one which I thought it was actually they did one of they had President Obama they had they had spliced clips of his, all of his speeches and they had got all of the words to the song, so it was as if he was singing the song. And I go into my wife and I say, wow, you got to look at this. This is really cool. And she says, what the hell is wrong with you? (laughs) And I just kind of stopped in my tracks. I said, I don't know. (laughs) And then it dawned on me what I was, what what the hell was wrong with me. The message just gotten swept. Put yourself together. It was a mess. But I still, you know, at the beginning of this 25, I said, I'm going to give it to the end of this stretch. That's the okay. fair thing. That's the fair thing to do. And what's they've, fair? They've shown a lot of resilience this year. Every time they think they're down, they 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 come back. They sweep a first place team. So uh, even after they beat the Yankees, and it was the lowest I've been all season with this team, I still said, you know what? I'm I got to give it to the end of the stretch before I can declare the season over. And I'm glad that I did. I'm glad I held off on it because then they came back and and they put forth a, a, a tremendous. I mean. A, Unimaginable, really, coming off the Yankee series, what they did in Tampa Bay. You never yeah. would have expected that. No, for sure. And and again, the Yankees have gotten. The Yankees are on fire right now. They just swept the Braves, um, doing the Mets a solid. Uh, I, I you know I I I am just enjoying this team. I'll be honest with you. Like I, I am just I am just thoroughly enjoying this team. It's uh, I I. I am enjoying this positivity and being positive and not getting down and not, you know, throwing in the towel and, and being the optimist. I feel like my optimism is helping you. It is. I have to say as, as, as much as I, sometimes I don't understand it. I don't know where you get that from, but it is, it is rubbing off a little bit. I, uh, yeah. I, I also was in Florida over the weekend. So, well, that helped. That helped a ton not being in New York and I didn't watch. Uh, I, I of course was following on my phone or on the iPad or whatever. But I didn't really watch an inning of the Mets Yankee series, uh, so that helped a lot. 
Um, yes. It did. That helped me to rebound on Tuesday and be like, you know what? We're going to be okay. You know, you know what the most – I was thinking about this. In 30-plus in years of being a Mets fan, the two most unlikely things that if you would have told me at the, at the time that these two guys joined the team that I would have become just enormous, huge fans of, I would have said, you're nuts. You're nuts. <laughs> you would have said it like that? You're nuts. You're nuts. And I'll do it in reverse order. Number two is becoming a huge fan of Terry Collins. Right. No, that's Ever. true. And I think I think you're going to agree with me on both of these. When when they when they announced Terry Collins as the manager, we were all looking for a big name. They because it was they needed to do something after they got rid of Jerry Manuel and they cleaned house in the, in the front office, and we were looking for a big name, some kind of big splash to turn the team around. And then they come with Terry Collins, and we're like, oh god, this is a, he's a retread. What it's is a he going to do? It's a disaster. Only the Mets with another stupid hire. Yep. It was called a disaster at the time. I think it was called a disaster at the time. But but just to watch this guy for the last two years and, and to see the kind of manager he is of, of the game and of people, of the men on the team. Right. Just, I I just, you know, he I just I have all the respect in the world for him and I and I've become a big fan of his. But the but the most surprising of, of all is how much I've 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 come to respect and really like Ari Dickey. Yeah. And, uh, but, but I mean his the story that this guy's writing is ridiculous. Oh, it yeah, I mean the, the story sells him, but just just to think back about the all of the and 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 let's, you know, let's remind all of these people who want to who want to give Omar Minaya credit for Ari Dickey and want to throw roses at the feet of the former general manager here. Because when R.A. Dickey was – first when he was signed and he went to the minor leagues, everybody laughed. Yep. He was, he was nothing more than a punchline because of his name. Yep. And then when they brought him up – and you remember when he when – he, those first couple of starts, it's like, oh, R.A. Dickey is starting? This one's mm-hmm. a loss. And then and nobody ever – nobody thought a thing about it, you right. know? And, and, and just, to, just to see what he's all about as a pitcher and as a man – is, he was is, he was he was signed as filler, Cal. He was signed as fodder. Right. He because was signed they had to, the, he was signed to eat innings in the minor they, leagues. They period. had too they had too many injuries and they needed depth. Yep. That's the only reason why he they signed him. He was signed to eat innings. It's not as if Omar Minaya knew what he had on his hands. Right. All right. So I I gotta say this. So I'm talking to Teresa last night. She's watching the game with me. Oh, this is yes. And uh, and. Uh, She's watching the game, and I and we're watching the ninth inning. Actually, we were watching the recap because the, the game was already over, and we're and I show her this play with David Wright, and I tell her if that had not been ruled, I said to her, I, I actually said to her, I said I bet the Mets are going to appeal this because it was ruled a hit, and it could have been ruled an error, which opened up the floodgate. Did you ever have a conversation with your wife? Or significant other that you're just not expecting, like out of nowhere, like A, for them to be interested, and B, for them to have a take on it you never thought of. Thank you. Thank you, PJ. Uh, You cut it off, though. See? Perfect time for a cart, and you blew it. You had a chance to be a hero, and you blew it. I wanted to get it out early. Just just the A. I wanted to just hit you with the A. So we wind up talking about, it and she's like, "Well, 
why how is that even possible? Like it's either a hit or an error. You know, and and we had this conversation about what a no hitter is. And she's like, "Wait, how why why if that was an error, how would that still be a no hitter?" I like, she's like, "I mean no hits." Period. Like the ball doesn't touch the ground. And I'm like, well, no, that would be a remarkable game. I'm sure it's happened in the history of baseball where all 27 outs were recorded by the fly ball with a strikeout. I said, but that, no, I said, it's, it, there's, a, there's a guy who's an official scorer. Now, Teresa knows baseball, but she doesn't know the intricacies and stuff like that. I said, there's a, uh, a guy or a girl or a gal, maybe, who loves the sport, uh, who's what's called an official scorer. And there are certain plays that uh, can be ruled in error or that, that are up to the judgment of the official scorer. And she goes, that's stupid. She goes, that's stupid. It's either wow. a hit or... It's, 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 the, what do you mean an error? She's like, how are there errors? Well, her, her feeling was that strong about it? it she, she goes, yes. <laughs> she was animate. All right. She said, eh, too bad, so sad. That's what she wants to call them. Now, you know, the ball's hit right at you and the guy kicks it. Oh, too bad, so sad. That's a hit. So she doesn't believe in errors. She does not believe in errors. <laughs> so she's a bit well, radical. <laughs> I said, so we're watching the highlights of the rest of the game. And, like, Vinny Rotino hits that fly ball down the right field line for a double or whatever. And I'm like, I'm like, should that be a hit? You know, like, I was like, that's a hit. And she's like, why? Just because the guy wasn't close to it? She's like, so if the guy's close to it, it, it it's going to be an error? I said, well, it's up to the judgment of the... Like, now, so now I'm trying to explain what an official scorer does. That if the, if the player has to make a move uh, for the ball that is outside the normal course of... And I'm getting into all this technicality, and she's like, this is stupid. Did you... Did you she's, find- like, she's like, what about fumbles? Are those errors, too? In football? Bringing a hole in the sport into it. I said, well, they're turnovers. She's like, stupid. It's a fumble. Call it an error. Why don't they call those errors? Did you feel like you had to defend this, too? Like, <laughs> a little bit. She was, she was calling it out? That's right. She was, like, calling out the entire... She she was putting the sport of baseball on trial. I mean, all all that was missing was, like, the Demi Moore bun from A Few Good Men and the strenuously object. <laughs> Is that how it works? You strenuously object? We object. Overruled. No, 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 wait. We strenuously object. Oh, let me take a moment to reconsider. Uh, no, so she... And then, out of nowhere, she brought up this great point. Sort of by accident. <laughs> and I think it was in the middle of her saying, you know what, you should talk about this on the show tomorrow night, by the way. She said that? Yes. She brought up this great point. Why does an error count as an at-bat? And why does it count as a negative at-bat for the hitter? He didn't do anything wrong. He put the ball in play. It's not his fault an error was made. And and literally, the, that's exactly what I did, Cal. The living room stopped. And I, I turned into Seinfeld and I'm like, when when Kramer tells him about the bladder for an oil tanker, and I was like, you know what? That's actually pretty good. That's actually a great point. Why does an error count against the batter? And, oh, and I remember, you know what it came on the heels of, Cal? The classic, 
uh, I gave the classic line. I forget how I got here, but I gave the classic line. Look, if you're successful three out of ten times as a hitter, you're going to the Hall of Fame. Right. Right. And she tore that apart. She's like, "What do you talk? What do you, what do you mean? Three out of ten times? <laughs> so you could you could play th- you know two games and go three for ten and you're going to the Hall of Fame? I'm like, no, that's not what I mean. I mean just over the course of a career. And then so now I'm explaining this. <laughs> And she goes, well, what if what if I get on, or what if I hit hit it and it's one of these errors? Then what does that affect my batting average? One of these errors, right? One of these errors. And she says, does that affect my batting average? I'm like, you know what it does. In the negative, you're being punished as the hitter because the fielder made an error. Doesn't make any sense. You put the ball in play. You did your job. got a very good point. She's got an excellent point. She's way smarter than you. <laughs> well, we knew this. That was a, that, That's a given. But it, it's a fantastic point. And the other thing she alluded to after she destroyed my baseball world with this, with, by bringing this up, I had never thought about this. Even playing baseball all those years and just accepting those 0 for 3s with a reached on an error. <laughs> you know. Could have changed everything. That's right. I could still be playing. Uh, well, let's not get crazy. But after that, she says, well, they have an official score. Why can't he decide whether it's, like, if it's a really routine ball that's hit right at the guy or something, and he makes one of these errors, then maybe that should be an over. But if it's like a ball he hits hard or something... And it's a tough play that maybe that should be a hit and an error charge to the player. Hmm. So you get a hit. doesn't affect you adversely as the hitter. No. But you still, you still give the fielder a negative. And it can remain an unearned run. And it can remain, and so it doesn't hurt the pitcher. Correct. So I I propose we do some research and find out why an error a reached on an error counts as an as an offer. Does we, Major League Baseball have a suggestion box <laughs> that we could kind of slip this in? Dear uh, commissioner. <laughs> But the best would be for Teresa to write it. Right. Or, or or it would be like, Teresa from Bayside checks in with this suggestion. Right. I'm so confused about these errors. <laughs> I'm telling you, though, it is a... it is a uh, Refute that that is a great point. You can't. It makes no sense to penalize. It's sort of like... it. I, I likened it a little bit last night in my head as I was going through all the possible scenarios of why I'd never thought of this before. <laughs> it's sort of like how a quarterback right is blamed for an interception on a tip ball. Uh yes, right? Nothing you can do about it. Right, it's not it's not really the quarterback's fault. Uh generally not. Right. Sometimes it is. Yeah, so even that's not a good example. But there are exam. I, I, I mean, I'm sure I can find other examples in sports where, 
the the person does his job, and yet he's penalized for the mistake of somebody on the other team. Right. And I said, well, you know, if you if you reach on an error and you score a run, you still get credit for that run. She's like, well, what if a guy throughout the course of his career, like, gets, you know, has a ton of these errors? I love how persistent she was about oh, this, though. Oh, please. Please. It was, I, I mean, it was a, it was quite a display. It was quite a display. And so, you, would ne- you would never have seen this coming, right? Did, I, I mean, I can't even, it was so out of, to use a perfect pun, it was so out of left field. You could have knocked me over with a feather. I mean, literally, you could have knocked me over with a feather. That's how unbelievably salient this point was out of nowhere. Why? 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 I don't understand it. Why are they penalized? I don't get it. You know, it was it was like that. It's like that scene in Big when what's his name is like, I don't get it. Oh. <laughs> the com- Oh, don't do this. Yeah, she was she was completely Josh Baskin at that moment. <laughs> I was like the big, you know, the big toy creator, uh-huh. and she just raised her hand. Uh, hey, I don't get it. Right, it, you it, you it, with me. over thirty years of baseball experience. Been watching baseball games since I'm four years old. Three right, four years old, like a whole baseball game. Playing at a high level. <laughs> Played in college. Right. right. Um, know the game inside and out. I, I, I know it pretty well. And you were completely disarmed by... Floored. Just an, an innocent question from someone with, with not as much knowledge. Not nearly. Or or, or care. Or interest. <laughs> right. <laughs> Actually, somebody who mocks my interest. Right. And cannot understand for the life of her how I could be that into a baseball game. That's unbelievable. Yeah, fantastic. I, I tell you what, next week, I want answers. Again, I'll go back to a few good men. I don't know if I can handle the truth here. I I think this is the pebble that starts the avalanche. I think this is a revolution, and we're about to rewrite the uh, rules to the game. Yeah, uh, could be. And another thing about the infield sly while I'm at it. <laughs> A balk. What's that? Don't push. Don't get greedy. Right. Exactly. Uh, just yeah. Just have Our her sit crap. down with the rule book. <laughs> Let her rip it to shreds. I don't care for this one. <laughs> this one sounds stupid. I please. I didn't even want to tell her that there's such a thing as a DH. <laughs> I mean, they were the Mets were playing in Tampa yesterday. I didn't want to dare explain to her that the pitchers weren't hitting. <laughs> DH? Who's playing DH? What position is that? How oh, come boy. I haven't seen that pitcher hit yet? Here we go. How does she feel about intentional walking? Inten- the intentional walk? She's uh, yeah. she's in favor. I mean, she's she's now a strategist. <laughs> <laughs> she, I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna have her call Bill James. It's ridiculous. How do you feel? How do you feel about whip and war, hun? And vorp. How do you feel? <laughs> Babip. And Babip. Babip, that's a stupid name for it. <laughs> yeah, it, it's sometimes, I think that's one of the cool things about, that is one of the cool things about sabermetrics, though. Like, some of the sabermetric stats sound like they were made up by guys who 
like have a or girls again have a passing interest in baseball and are just like, well, that's just stupid. <laughs> like bat, you know, batting average of balls in play, like seems like such an obvious like. Somebody who didn't know much about baseball but was like a, a logical person would be like, well, obviously, if they hit the ball where there's not somebody there, they're lucky and they're going to have a higher batting average. And it's a complete luck thing. It's completely random. Right. That you should hit the ball where they're not playing, <laughs> where a guy is not standing. Hit them where they ain't. It's a rule right. of volleyball. Right, Exactly. So I, I sometimes think like some of the sabermetric stats are like by by people who are like, look, you know, come on, I don't even like this game. <laughs> anyway, I wanted to uh, to go ahead and that's blow a great your, story. I wanted to go ahead and blow your mind. Is, is your mind blown? I love that. Yeah, that's unbelievable. It is. It, it, it. Wow. Yep. Just. The fact that she took such an interest in it and had such a logical alternative. Yep. I love it. <laughs> so so good. Okay. So uh, wh- where are we? Oh, okay. Good. You know what else I want to talk about? Wow. What is that? Do you hear something, Cal? I did. What is that? Is that PJ? PJ, what are you doing? Is there someone in the room with us? That's my Swisher. Oh, oh right. Swisher. Oh, God. <laughs> Let me just read this quote. He's not Let's... doing voices tonight. He's doing stupid sound effects. Right. Vinyl pants rubbing together. <laughs> are you wearing, Are you walking around the house in corduroys? What are you doing? Yes. It's a good night he, for it. What up? Here's... It? Here's the quote. There's an article. <laughs> I love corduroys. Uh, here's the quote. There's an article coming out next week, Cal and Peach. They did a uh, survey of Major League Baseball players, and uh, Alex Rodriguez and Nick Swisher were two and three among the most uh, – what was it, hated? Most hated. Yeah, what 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 publication is it coming out in again? Uh, it's not GQ. It's like maybe Men's Journal or something like that. I think, yeah, I want to say Men's Journal. That um, they asked, you know, how many Major League Baseball players, who are, who are the most hated guys in the game? And A-Rod was two, and Swisher was three. Who was one? Uh, I, I don't remember. Yeah. A.J. Brzezinski, always. Oh, pretty, right. A.J. Brzezinski is always number one on this list. Always. Um, and here's the quote about Swisher, which I love. Everything about, parentheses, Swisher... Uh, is annoying, from his mannerisms to his always wanting to, quote, bro it down, an unnamed American League veteran told the magazine, quote, being around him is just exhausting. <laughs> the reason, here's the reason I love this. It's not because I'm a Yankee hater or something like that. Uh, I, I did take uh, umbrage with what I read about Nick Swisher's uh, celebrations against the Mets uh, this past weekend. I think he's been a little over the top. I also heard an interview with him uh, a little while back on FAN or whatever, and he, he just sounds like that's a perfect description. Being around him sounds like it's exhausting. See, the thing with with him though, and I don't I don't want to come across as as a Nick Swisher apologist, but how do you keep, if if that is an act, how do you keep that up 
the way that he, I mean, it's eternal with him. Every single time you hear him, he's exactly the same. Oh, I don't think it's an act. Yeah, I think it's that it. might be how he is. No, absolutely. But that doesn't make it any less annoying. I mean, that doesn't that doesn't make it any less annoying. I know. Oh, God, it's annoying. Like, like, like this quote says, everything about him is annoying, from his mannerisms to his always wanting to bro it down. <laughs> I don't know. I'm not even sure what that means. And I love it. Uh, <laughs> bro it down. <laughs> I, I, that's like Harper's quote. Did you see Harper's quote? Bryce oh, Harper's quote? Harper's quote was terrific. That's a clown question, bro. <laughs> Somebody <laughs> asked. Somebody, no, I didn't know he's a Mormon. Did you? No. Is that true? Yes. Wow. And that's why it's a clown question, bro. <laughs> I, I had no idea he's a Mormon. I didn't know that. Bryce Harper is a Mormon. Huh. Maybe, yes. Okay. So alcohol is uh, frowned upon uh, in the Mormon religion. And... Uh, so that's one of the reasons he was asked uh, what if he was going to go out and have a celebratory beer because they were in Canada and the drinking age is only 18 and Bryce Harper's only 19. Right. And his response was, that's a clown question, bro. I love it. That's such a 19-year-old response. Too. It uh, really is. It's a precocious 19-year-old. Yeah, such a 19-year-old's response. I told you about uh, dumbass, right? No. Dumbass understood with Samantha, my niece? No. This is what this reminded me of. My niece, <laughs> PJ knows this. My niece, for the longest time, once she hit like 13 or 14, and she's a great girl. She's awesome. She's super smart. You know that. Everybody knows that. Yes. She's she's just this great, super great girl. But her, my brother <laughs> got to the point where like, my brother would ask her something simple like, uh, so did you uh, do your homework? And ter and uh, Samantha's answers would be like sort of quick and sort of that 13-year-old sassy like, yeah. Like, of course I did. Like every every response was, of course I did. Yeah. Right, that's it. <laughs> Thank you, Peach. So my brother imagined that there is a dumbass attached. So like she's not saying it. But she's thinking it. And so it would be like, did you do your homework? Yeah. Dumbass. <laughs> Dad. Right. He's right. It's always, it's always dumbass. Right. So right. it'd be like, uh, so what? You're, you're going to go out with your friends later tonight? Yeah. Dumbass. <laughs> and she, he, he, even, he even told Sam about it and she cracked up. She's like, it's kind of there. <laughs> like the, the, the dumbass, the loving dumbass, but Scott called it uh, dumbass understood. So like you, you know, like you understood in a sentence, right? Dumbass implied, right? This was dumb, right? Dumbass implied, dumbass understood. It's like yeah, of course I'm gonna do that, dumbass. God, love that kid. Right. <laughs> she, she she went through like a year of the, you know, and then it became a running joke because she knew she was doing it. Scott knew she was doing it, so she just started tagging it with dumbass. Right. And they would have a great laugh about it. But anyway, that's a clown question, bro. Fantastic. Bro it down. He always wants to bro it down. He wants to bro it down. Uh, I'm not surprised at all that A-Rod's on this list. 
uh, you know, people tend not to like A-Rod. You hear that a lot about the – but who knows? Who knows what goes on in the locker room, Cal? We have no idea. Maybe, you know, it seems like Yankees – the Yankee teammates love him. I mean, it seems like they absolutely love him, and he gives a lot of – he gives a lot of uh, energy to the clubhouse and stuff. So, and and of course they're playing their best baseball. So, you know, yeah, dumbass. Well, Swisher wants to bro it down. All right. Right. I'm Nick Swisher, and I'm here to bro it down. The guy pointing to his grandfather is a little over the top. <laughs> that even that doesn't even it, it's his uh, it's his dugout stuff. You know. Well. Okay, now, well, here. The, the Mets get the Mets got killed for this last year with the claw and the spotlight and the whole thing. That's right. So, so how are are we are how are we allowed to take shots at Swisher when we had a guy that did this on our team for the last seven years? No, but What's the difference? No, I'm serious. I'm just curious what the difference is. The, 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 there is no difference. We took shots at. I didn't like that Jose Reyes did that. Oh yeah, no. The Mets fans, the Mets fans loved it. Yeah, they, they loved it. The Mets and, fans and Yankee it. fans love it too. So, I, I'm not saying it's. I, I, I'm not trying to be hypocritical here. I'm just saying, in the in the sense that the Mets got killed for it, though, in the media. I, I don't see anybody killing the Yankees for it. Right. Nobody. Yeah. Swisher has really not taken any hits for this. That's what, that's all I'm saying. Like that's a good point. If you're gonna. I'm not asking Yankee fans to give a crap about it, because as a Mets fan, I didn't give a crap about Reyes. I didn't love it, but I didn't give a crap about it. It was for my team. I'm talking about in the media. You know, Jose Reyes and the Mets got ripped to shreds for the claw. Right. It's kind of annoying when Reyes did it. Right. Why? And now Jordani Valdez been with the the eyes. Do not get me started on that. Gee whiz. You got such a likable team here. Don't screw it up, guy. Come on, goggly goots. Knock it off. We and, and you can and you can see whenever whenever Terry Collins gets asked about him, he's like sighs <laughs> <laughs> and rolls his eyes and he's like, well, you know, he's got a he lot to gives, learn. Right. He gives like the exasperated grandpa sigh. Ah, <laughs> <sighs> boy. Yep. Yeah. It's, yep. Damn kids with his uh, his pants probably down, you know, showing his boxer shorts off. Yeah, the thing with the eyes yesterday was was a little. Oh, Jordani, you've been in the major leagues for almost twelve minutes. Come on, guy. And then he explains it. That's the best. He's got an explanation for it. It was like I couldn't believe what I saw. Right. Okay. We got it. Is that what that means? Now. Yeah. That's what that means, Peach. He rubs. He he got like a double, and then he rubs his eyes. Like pretends to rub his eyes, and that's I can't believe I just saw that. That he really happened, right? He can't believe he just saw what he did. Wow, I love me. Who do you love? I mean, come on, guy. Come on. Don't even make me call you guy. Like, come on. See what you're doing, bro. Bro it down. Oh. And he's the only one on this current team that does that. Yep. The only one. That's the problem. Like, when Reyes started doing the claw last year, the guys all got into it and stuff like that, and it was, you know, it was fine. Became, like, their thing. Then they got made fun of for it. Then the the Brewers did it to mock them. Right, and then they stopped. And then they stopped doing it. And then, you know, Valdespin did the claw when he got, like, his first hit or whatever, and then he did the rubbing. Just stop. Please, guy. Please. Please. So this so this survey comes out tomorrow in Men's Journal. Yeah, I'm kind of curious to see 
what the results are. One of one of the other uh, categories was the player in the worst shape. Ooh, can, we, I, can I guess? Go ahead. I don't think you'll ever get it. The number one player in the worst shape in the major yeah. leagues, as yeah. voted on by his own teammates. By his by his peers. Or yes. by his peers, right. A right. jury of his peers. Objection, Your Honor. I'm gonna tell I'm gonna give you a quote. Maybe this will help you. All right, sir. I don't think it will, but we'll reveal who the player is. The quote was have you seen him running in from the bullpen? Uh-huh. A division rival of this player. He has bigger boobs than half the girls I've dated. Which, by the way, nice rank out. Is what the, yeah. Burn. (laughs) Bigger boobs than the girl I dated. Slam. Are these all transcripts from like a junior high school uh, playground or something? (laughs) I know. Your mother. Bro it it down. Um, Oh, oh, man. There are a lot of Axe body spray involved in this. (laughs) And faux hawks. And faux hawks. Uh, Who is it? It's Todd Coffee. Todd, Todd Coffee. Okay. He does have nice breasts. He does. I will say. Um, most hated player we we did. Uh, the player you would want most on your team, Albert Pujols. Oh, it's not Jeter. Jeter's number two. Of course. Pedroia number three. Right. Biggest trash talker, Orlando Hudson. Surprising. O dog. Seems like such a nice guy. Uh, and Black second. He's not Ernie Hudson. No. Oh, sorry. Number two on the list, not surprising, Niger Morgan. Yes. He's see, a class, uh, class actor. Right. But what you, to me, what you can see in that, though, Cal, is that I bet you, like, Orlando Hudson's trash talk is, like, good-natured. Uh, maybe. You know what I mean? Like, just because you're a trash talker doesn't mean necessarily you're a bad guy. Well, that's true. He didn't make the most hated player list. No. He just, you know, maybe he, he, but he does it in a good-natured way. He's he's clever, maybe. Niger Morgan, I feel like your mother comes up a lot. I feel like I feel like a good deal of it probably involves your mother, or like your dead aunt, or something, right. something bad. I feel like he's, I feel like he, he steps over the line. I I could see Orlando Hudson smack talk being respectful. Maybe. Like damn, bro, that was good. <laughs> you got me. Right, <laughs> right. Like after he says, you know, like he, he makes a joke about your mom or something, you're like, good one. That was good. I got a, I got a chuckle out of that. City with the most obnoxious fans, Philadelphia in a landslide. Yes, not surprising. And San Francisco number two, believe it or not. That is hugely surprising. Yes. Wow. And, and the least respected manager. Now, this is a very interesting category because it's of the players. Right. Who play for these managers right. and they the least respected manager by a wide margin. It's gotta be Gian. Ozzy Gian. It's gotta be Ozzy Gian. Which is crazy because you all the the word on the street is that he's a real players manager and the guys love to play for him. But you know why though, Cal? Guys on other teams see him throw players under the bus. They've seen him throw players under the bus in the media. His own players, he's done it a million times. He does not hesitate to throw his own players under the bus. That's why he's the least respected, without a doubt. That's a good point. I hadn't thought of that. Yeah. How many times did he do that in Chicago? What's that, that, Peach? I said dangerous when cornered. Yes. Peach, what would be your celebration? 
You know, would it be the rubbing the eyes? Would you point up to the heavens? That's a big one when you touch home plate. Let's say, you know, PJ, the, the Bishop gets a big hit, gets a big base hit. He's standing on second base. He slides in there. He knocks in three runs. What's he doing? I do. You know what I do. If you think back to uh, old rehearsals when things are going really well for me, I do the high pitch giggle. <laughs> you knew you remember it. You could probably that's do your, it. Right, but that's your that's your big sign when you get to second base. You do yeah. a high pitch giggle. I just start laughing. Wow. <laughs> there it is. <laughs> <laughs> the Letterman giggle. You'd yeah. have to, you'd have the whole team doing that. Right, exactly. Every t- every time they do something good. Plus, <laughs> <laughs> uh. I have lovely band breasts, so I could probably win in two categories. You do have you do have Todd Coffee esque. You should uh. flash the crowd. <laughs> that should be uh, your celebratory that be move. Your thing. <laughs> as was as was often a tradition, uh, when I would take the stage, people would call uh, call for my navel. They wanted to see the navel. Nice. Yeah, that's true, Cal. That's actually a true story. Like you, you uh, there's old band, uh, you know, gig I, stuff from them in college, and people I were actually did it at, chanting. At, at, at the very first show, we had a down moment because our guitarist was always tuning. So I walked up to the mic and I said, "Who wants to see my navel?" That's a good time killer, as far as I was concerned. What kind uh, of response did you get the very first time huge, you did that? Huge really? response from my navel. Sure. Does he know how to work a crowd or what, Cal? And, wow. uh, and that's straight. Followed, that's straight. Followed that's me straight all the way to New York. I mean, people showed up at the New York shows yelling for the navel. Yeah. So I knew I had done something right. That's that's crowd work, Cal. That's so, hey, Springsteen does the same thing. All right. Before we play this next song, <laughs> who wants to see my navel? <laughs> <laughs> or Bono? That's it. <laughs> This next song is not a political song, but before we play it, who wants to see my navel? (laughs) This is called Lemon. (laughs) I don't know. I think I own that one. I mean, you know, come on. Yes. Am I bugging you? Sorry if I'm bugging you. Didn't mean to bug you. Here's my navel. I (laughs) I can't do the brogue. I can't do Bono. Hard. It's one of the great failures in my. Uh, you got an in- instant impression for Bono? Not, not right now. Oh, I was yelling before, man. Oh, let's talk about this. The house let's, was yeah, shaking. Let's, let's talk about this, but then we're getting to. I don't want to lose that jet point. I do have a great point on Revis. Don't worry, we've got 34 minutes. We can get back to it. Okay, you give us 34 minutes. We'll get back to it. We'll give you the world. Also coming up, Tiger Woods. Also, also, we will check in with Tiger Woods live from the U.S. Open. And in the green room, that's, that's Lindsay not Buckingham. Even, that's not even remotely true. What happened to your voice, Peach? Sounds so hoarse. I lost my temper a little bit. <laughs> See, I'm doing the happy yeah, PJ giggle. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I'll tell you the punchline to this story is also, and then we can we can take it from from beginning to end. But the punchline of the story is, my daughter said to me at the dinner table tonight, and Dad, you can't come and shake me when I'm naked. <laughs> Good night, everybody. 
Now, uh, now we have to hear the story before child services uh, calls into the podcast. It's it's a, it's a it's a very quick story. My kids were in the pool. They got out of the pool. I said, "You got to take showers before we go out." They went to go take showers, and they both screamed. The hot water was off. So right. Ah, uh, that's the solar. So I said, "Don't move. I'll go downstairs and look at the hot water here." And I go downstairs with, you know, my wrenches and my flashlight and whatever to, to look at the hot water heater. And I'm, like, laying on my stomach, which is, you know, a beautiful sight. And, and I'm working on it. And my daughter starts yelling for me. Dad, I need you. Dad, I need you. Dad, I need you. And she, not, not even pausing long enough to hear me say, I'm downstairs, which I was trying to say. Wait a second, I'm working on the hot water heater, but Dad, I need you. Dad, I need you. Dad, Dad, where are you? Dad, I need you. Dad. Now, as annoying it is when I do it, she did it 65 more times. <laughs> so I tried yelling upstairs, stop, shut up a second, I'm working on this, give me a second, and then finally I said, screw it. I threw the wrench, which of course hit the washing machine, so it went, boom, made this huge noise, stormed upstairs, and I was screaming my head off, can you hear me now? Can you hear me now? <laughs> Am I close enough now? I kicked in the bathroom door, didn't even notice that she was completely naked, <laughs> spun her around, and yelled in her face, what do you want? Make a sentence. And she said, there's no hot water. <laughs> That's all it was. That's and I was. screamed even more. Didn't you just hear me say that I was going downstairs to fix it? That's where I was. And she goes, well, please turn it on. I need hot water. <laughs> so I went screaming downstairs and continued to work on it until I got the uh, hot water heater working. And then now my voice is completely gone because so I was... I was blowing the walls off the house. So let me ask you a question: uh, Is your is your is your wife's name Camille? <laughs> because I have I have a certain cadence that I fall into. Because that was first of all, it's a very Cosby story to begin with. <laughs> Second of all, all that was missing was a pudding pop from that. <laughs> That's from your recitation. No, it's that jello. And I said to the child, "I know there's no hot water." Well, I tell you what, there was there was flip florin filth coming out of my mouth. I was cursing. <laughs> and so yeah, so I learned later as we're eating as we're eating dinner, and I'm telling this story to my wife because she wants to know why I have no voice. Right. And then my daughter turns and says, "Yeah, and Dad, you can't come and shake me when I'm naked." <laughs> Exactly. And I said, oh, oops, sorry. My bad. My bad. Right. I was too busy seeing red. Right. <laughs> I didn't even know you were there. <laughs> really? I was just <laughs> grabbing and shaking anything in front of me. Can you hear me now? There's, you know, what's great is there's so much uh, to look forward to. So much for me to look forward to. Oh, it's beautiful. Uh, but then, you know, you uh, like Calvi wrote today, you know, Cal, you wrote that, that really nice thing on Facebook about your daughter, and it's very, very true. We're always, you know, 
try to get through the work week, trying to get through this week. I don't want to paraphrase what you wrote and said so succinctly. And then you turn around and and no, and then you turn around and your daughter's nine years old, and you're like, you know, what the heck hey, fire? My like, daughter starts junior high this September. I don't know what what happened. I don't know what happened. Right. Hey, what happened? <laughs> <laughs> oh God, I love, you know what the best part of Hey, what happened is the the variety, <laughs> the cover variety. Yes. Right when he's when Fred Willard's giving the interview and he's like and you know we had a run with that and had some fun and and then uh, and they show the cover of Variety and the headline is Hey what happened canceled due to total lack of interest. <laughs> that's the head, that's the headline. No, no on one Variety. watched. Right, that's the headline on Variety. <laughs> I lost my red wagon. Uh, <laughs> let me let me get to this let me get to this jet thing. Um, so, uh, PJ, go rest your voice and don't shake Lily when she's naked. It's or not good to shake for that baby. matter. Right. They're not really supposed to do that. They frown upon that now. It is frowned upon. Yeah. Although, you know what terrible, I hear, my... Terrible Listen. father, and I don't even drink. <laughs> I was, I was, I was told by my mother-in-law, who works for CPS... Okay, Child Protective Services. Right. Uh, as long as you don't leave a mark... <laughs> Right. Have fun. Yeah. Oh, I uh, threatened my kids with a bag of oranges. I learned that from the grifters. <laughs> Everything I learned about parenting, I learned from grifters. <laughs> um, what do you call it? Cal, this uh, Revis thing, really quick, right? So the Jets are in mini camp, and and uh, you know you're getting play by play on Sanchez and Tebow and every pass and blah blah blah. Oh, by the way, Cal, I had it on very good authority. Not even on very good authority. Somebody who was at camp, uh, uh, a Jet fan who was watching camp and videotaping it. Uh-huh. Like it, like on his iPhone or whatever. Is that legal or no? Yeah. Yeah, it's fine. I'm sure that's fine. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I guess. Nothing wrong with that. He has a video of, of uh, Tebow missing a wide-open receiver cutting across the middle by, like, 33 yards like he's just wow the guy was at camp he's like he's there's no way he's going to start for this team he's awful you know when it comes to quarterbacking that's not what it sounds like i know well i i mean i just was able to skip right through manesh Mehta and philip bondi today in the daily news i didn't even have to read those articles the you know with the headlines the quarterback controversy won't go away and uh, okay anyway so amid all the tweets about uh, Sanchez going 8 of 11 in 7 on 7s and all this ridiculous stupidity. In OTAs. In OTAs and now this week in minicamp. Right. Uh, which is, you know, mandatory. Um, right. Still June. Right. Um, and, we're you know, we're still a month, six weeks away from training camp even. It's come up that Darrell Rivas who had a uh, admittedly a band-aid contract uh when he held out a couple years ago um is going to be looking for a new deal and may hold out uh of training camp again, right? Right? That that's the scuttlebutt we're hearing. And Revis gets ex- uh, asked asked about it every day in, in mini camp and he says the same thing. I don't know. I don't know. I might I might not. I don't know. 
I might hold on, I might not. Here's I'm I'm gonna propose something radical, Cal. I want him to hold out in training camp. Ask me why. Do you know why? Can you see what I'm doing here? Why you would want him to hold out in training camp. Yes. Because that would take the attention off of Tebow. Bingo, bango. Because training camp is going to be an effing circus. Can I say effing? Yes. Okay, good. It's going to be an effing circus, and it would be the best distraction in the world if Revis held out again. It's not going to take away the ridiculousness of the Tebow Sanchez situation, which, by the way, Teresa had some opinions on last night, too. We got, <laughs> we got, into, we got into Sanchez and Tebow. Oh, boy. Because on a roll. Well, we were watching SNY. We were watching, you know, Sports Night, presented by Geico. Wait, no, wait. Time out. Time out. <laughs> All right. She, she not only did she watch the game with you, <laughs> and engage in <laughs> intelligent conversation. No, about, no, she didn't. No, she didn't watch the whole game with me. I, she watched some of it. She watched like the ninth inning, and then we were watching the highlights. And she sat down and continued to watch Sports Night with you. It was on. Yes, it was on. Okay. All right. It's well. It's it's just it's it's such a completely foreign concept to me. <laughs> I understand from, that it is from my wife who had no idea why I was rolling around on the floor after Johan Santana pitched a no hitter. Correct. Because she was sleeping. Right. No, she sports night uh, stays on because we were having this great conversation about the errors and whatnot. And then she, and then they showed the interview with Sanchez, and she asked me how I'm feeling about Tebow, and if I still you know. I still hate Tebow. And then she urged me to not hate Tebow. That it's not his fault he gets the media coverage that he gets, and maybe I should just see him as a guy who can help the Jets be good. She's she's such a, an advocate for the player. <laughs> she's always looking for it's not his fault. <laughs> who brought Donald Fear? <laughs> Jeez. Who brought Marvin Miller? I mean, what's going on over here? I like that, though. She, but she, she was like a little uh, sage last night. Wow. She was like, well, and I said, I said, the more coverage, you know, every day I see, I, I like the kid more and stuff. I realize that a lot of it's not his fault. And she's like, well, maybe you should just see, you know, and maybe Mark, she said, and maybe Mark needs, you know, a little fire lit lit under him. Mark. Maybe, maybe that's why she asked me why they traded for Tebow. And I explained to her it was because the owner wants to make a splash and wants the back pages. And she said, well, maybe Mark needs a little fire lit under him, too. Maybe it'll help him be better. Because, I mean, if he can't, she said if he can't take the heat. I mean, he's a quarterback in New York. She said this, Bri. She's obviously been listening. Not were, you, were, not you role playing, were you role-playing loudmouths? <laughs> Is that what this was all about? Right. We were she we we were doing PT. <laughs> PTI. Which one of you was Wilborn? 
Okay. This is fascinating. Teresa, you're going to be Tony Kornheiser now. <laughs> All right. You want to dispute everything I say? <laughs> no, it was it was she she said, you know, I mean, he's the quarterback of the New York Jets. He's in why New you, York. Why do you have a list of topics? <laughs> Where did that come from? It was unbelievable, Cal. Unbelievable. Great. What if she that wants really... to come on the show? Maybe, maybe right. I can get her a package or something. <laughs> right. I don't even know if we can get her as a guest. Well, she won't. She won't do this show. Yeah, she's like, I'm not doing that show. I got an offer. From, <laughs> I'm going okay, let's week. get her now before our phone starts ringing. I'm going on Mike and Mike next week. I'm not going on your show. Too late. <laughs> I'm going to be on the BS report in two weeks. What are you talking about? I'm doing a spot with Jacko and Cousin Sal on the BS report. I don't even think Colin Cowherd has heard of you guys. <laughs> it was unbelievable. But anyway. That is great. Um, I, I, what about this this idea that I'm having? I, you know, a contract holdout for Darrell Rebus might be the best thing that happens to this team in training camp. Part of me thinks it's just so crazy it might work, except for one small piece that I, I, I have to think you took into consideration. My children? What, well, you, well, you always got to think about the kids. Right. <laughs> but what happened to Darrell Rebus's season the last time he held out? I have taken that into account. Okay. Is that just kind of collateral damage for the greater good of this whole thing? That's correct. And and also, uh, he still had a pretty good year. He had an okay year, but he missed a lot of games. He missed not a lot of games. What he missed? missed about four games. Four games. I think they so. went three and one in those games too. Okay. But and they went to the AFC Championship game. I'm just saying. No, I, I get it. I get it. He just he, he didn't feel like himself account. all year. It doesn't have to be a protracted long deal. Well, but just give me a good solid first week of camp where he's not there and everybody's right. talking give, about him. Give me a ten day holdout and it, and give me some acrimony too while you're at it. Give me this. Give me the side sniping back and forth. Give me, you know, Tannenbaum saying this, the agent saying that. He's going to sign. He's not going to hold out for a whole season in his prime, and the Jets are going to cave to what he wants. I mean, everybody knows it. It's just a matter of how far they cave. But they didn't last time. You think for a sec? What they did though, Cal? They gave him like thirty-two million dollars up front, with with the promise to renegotiate in three years. Yeah, I guess so. I mean, you think for a second that the Jets are ever going to let Darrell Rivas play for another team? Well, you got to remember they were also coming to the end of the season of hard knocks, and they needed to get that locked up on right. camera. That's absolutely right. So that was, so, yeah, you know, I, I say that only half facetiously, but that I had to play a part in it. Yeah, it totally did. It, you you don't even need to be half facetious. You don't even you don't even need to be fessa. Everything I do is half facetious. <laughs> I just I, I I'm. I'm officially going on record as rooting for a holdout. That's crazy, and I would love to hear what other people think when you when you pitch them on this idea. Well, you're hearing it here first. I, so, just, I just thought of it today. Like I like like Doctor Iray. I would love to hear his his take on that. I, I don't I know think, if he could get his head around that. I think anything that takes away from the circus that is Tebow and Sanchez is That's a good, is a good thing for the team. But doesn't it just make it more of a circus then? No, Cal, because it's expected. And because we've been through this already. And because everybody knows the outcome. 
They're going to cave to his demands. It's just how far they cave. Period. They're not going to let him play for somebody else. And also, he's integral to Rex Ryan's defense. They have to win now. I mean, Revis has them by the short ones. He does. I just want... Let it go on eight days. Nice. And then all of a sudden, you know, Sanchez is playing great and nobody, you know, the the, the whole Tebow as a starter thing has died down. Can he miss a can he miss a preseason game? Oh, that'd be please don't tease me. Now now see now you're on board. Now you understand what I'm saying. Uh, what if he's not ready for the start of the season though? He'll be ready for the start of the season. Those guys don't need four preseason games. He did. He got hurt in the first game. That's because that's coincidence. Oh, right. Okay. How many preseason games did he miss that year? Uh all of them. Exactly. I'm only asking to miss one. He missed every one of them. In I, fact, I, let him miss the first two and come back for the third one. That's the only one that matters anyway. I'm telling you, could work. I, I, it's a little risky. It's, I, so, I, it's so crazy. It just might work. I see where I see where you're going with it, but I'm. A, I, don't, I, <laughs> I guess we're gonna find out. That reminds that reminds me of one of my uh, one of my favorite. Lines. I love it's so crazy it just might work. Like for anything. Like it's uh, that's crazy. So crazy it just might work. Like just saying that in that like soap opera ish way. Right, about any about anything Yeah. Just mundane. Yeah. I'm gonna put M and M's on my ice cream. That is crazy. Yeah? So crazy it just might work. And that goes hand in hand with my other favorite, Old Man's Crazy, alright. Crazy like a fox. <laughs> oh, yeah, I'm crazy, all right. Crazy like a fox. I love that one. I don't know why. Crazy like a fox? Dude, you're putting dude, you're, you're putting Reese's Pieces in your ice cream? You're crazy. Oh, I'm crazy, all right. Crazy like a fox. Bam! Right, check your body can't cash. And that's, of course, another classic. But the, these, these, are all, these are all cliched cop lines. And the best is the reaction that you get from someone who's not in on it. <laughs> That's right. Like, what? What? Yeah, okay. What? Whatever, what? whatever, whatever dude. I My... think, and I think this was an SNL sketch from the 80s. Could be. Where they just kept using that line. Like, you, I can't believe you're doing that. You're crazy. Oh, I'm crazy, all right. Crazy like a fox. And, then, like, the conceit was like, why do you keep saying that? What are you talking about? Um... And hey, listen. Before, before you move on, delicious. Yes. I think with your theory, you're underestimating uh, the media's ability to pile on the Jets. So I, I, don't think, I don't think anything that happens uh, distracts from from Tebow. I think there's there's always going to be room. He's like Jello. There's always room for Tebow. It doesn't matter what else is going down. There could be <laughs> injuries and walkouts, point. and Rex Ryan could impregnate a teenager. It doesn't matter. I, it's I, also going to be the Tebow show. I understand that, and I'm allowing for the fact that there's always room for Tebow. What are you going to do? But it would, it would definitely be a big story that would take some of the Tebow away. It would. 
it would take some of the focus off the Tebow Sanchez thing. I'm not saying all of it off. I, I just, in my opinion, they got to cover both. So, so the the coverage that would be, you know, uh, wholly 100% all Tebow all the time now becomes half that because they got to cover Revis. He's the he he is the best player on the team. He's also one of the most popular guys in the league. He's also, you know what I mean? Like, he's a pretty big figure on the team. And they've been through this already. Like, it's building up, and there's nothing's, you know, contract disputes get acrimonious. That's what I'm hoping for. I'm hoping for the agents to leak stuff in the media again, and nice. So we're in our third day of the Darrell Revis holdout. Uh, let's talk to Tim Tebow and get his thoughts on <laughs> what Revis is doing. And now let's get Mark Sanchez's thoughts. Oh, look at that. Tebow oh. and Sanchez disagree about Revis. Yes. They went to then Tebow what you, first. Then what, do you do? what does it mean? Oh, boy. Then what do you do? Because now they've taken the Revis situation and made it about Tebow and Sanchez. Right. Well, I can see you. I can see the holes and flaws in my plan. I, I'm just I, saying, P, PJ brought up a very good point. Well, so good Tebow for PJ. and Sanchez is a new drama on TBS coming up. <laughs> right after Rizzoli and Isle. That's right. That's... And before uh, Franklin and Dash. Franklin and Dash. <laughs> Tebow and Sanchez. <laughs> He's an evangelical Christian. They obviously are standing back to back. Right. He's a, Me- he's a Mexican-American with loose morals. <laughs> Tebow and Sanchez on USA, making drama better. Oh, wait, that's TNT. Tebow and Sanchez. Are, are they, are they, the job are they, done. Are they cops? Are they lawyers? Are they coroners? Are they... Yes, all inve- of the above. <laughs> investigative reporters? Are they uh, rival columnists for GQ? Are they? Uh, well, He's a renegade see. priest, and Sanchez is a uh, scruffy reporter. No, he can't be a priest. He can't be a priest. Renegade. He could be a minister. Rogue priest. He, 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 he could be a preacher. Can't be a, a priest. Rock he priest. could be a preacher. He can't be a priest. Can't be a priest. Evangelical, even I'm telling you, evangelical Christians, Catholics, not so much. You would think they're all rooting for the same team, but I, I don't want to get into that. I'm just saying he's not going to be a priest. I'm just writing a script here. <laughs> he's a straight-laced businessman, and Sanchez is a, a uh, scruffy sports writer. Always that? scruffy. His character will always be. He can't shave. Can't let Sanchez shave for the show. <laughs> this is the worst show ever. Well, wait, no. Strike that. Franklin and Bash. This is the second worst show ever. No, we got to do something. Give me a better, give me a better, they got to be in the same profession because they got to be rivals. Just like they are. Comics by night, but they solve crimes by day. Solid. Now we're talking. Because they're in the same profession in real life. They got to be in the same profession in the show. Do you want right. them to, to solve crimes during during the day or something innocuous like insurance agents? And then stand up com- and then stand up comedians at night. Look, all I know is crimes have got to be solved here at some point. Right. That's true. I, I don't care how they do it if they're doing it at night during the day. I don't care how they're doing it. They obviously have a fly by night detective agency. <laughs> Every show starts with the corpse, and they have a fly by night detective agency. 
in like in his basement where they eat Chinese food all the time. That's right. Uh, I, I, you know what, the stand-up comic at not, rival stand-up comics. Yeah. And like Tebow works clean, Sanchez works blue. Yo, there it is. Right. So Sanchez is like a Louis C.K. You know. Uh, he like works real blue and stuff, but they solve crimes during the day. As long as crimes are getting solved, I want to be in the business of Tebow and Sanchez during the day and also at night after their acts. <laughs> because they, you know, they finish their act and they're sitting at the bar. There's so much room for witty. Tebow's not drinking, anger. obviously. Yeah, right. then they work it into their jokes, and their jokes could be little in jokes about their friendship and what happened that day. I got a, I got another one for you guys. What this allows for. You know, the comedy uh, club manager who knows what they do during the day. Played by Gilbert Gottfried. Played by Gilbert Gottfried. Perfect. Cast it. I don't understand how you're solving crimes. I I don't understand it. Who has the time? (laughs) Who who has the time for the crime solving? Your act is good, your crime-solving is better. How can you be funny if you're solving crimes all day? I don't understand. There's crime and solving and crime-solving. Let go of my hand. That's more like Richard Lewis. That is, I no, Richard Lewis would sort of be here and sort of, uh, and then I have this other thing to do, and it's going to cost me, uh, it's going to cost you guys, uh, your rival comics, everybody knows it. He's always uh, exasperated by their I'm exhausted by what you're doing. That was the name of one of his comedy specials, by the way. I'm exhausted? Yeah. <laughs> I'm not even kidding. <laughs> We could, you know, here's the great angle, guys. We we could put every stand-up comedian in this show. Right, cast it with comics. Right. I mean, an this, athlete. An athlete. <laughs> you got to put some athletes right. in because you need somebody who can run away. You know, you I need mean, some action seats. This is magnificent. Well, what kind of crimes are they solving? Who Violent, cares? Like, petty little, like, larceny things? Or... Well, for the light episodes, yeah, you do you do larceny. But for the heavy episodes... You know, you could you could do a nice six show arc with a, with a serial killer, sure, you know, who, who leaves uh, bad puns, right? Played by Paul Reiser, <laughs> obviously. Yeah, well, Reiser can go dark, so that's all right. I'm I'm gonna be the serial killer, right? Over here. Are we gonna get Seinfelds for this? Are we gonna get? I mean, obviously he'll sign on. Nah, he's too busy for this. He's too busy for this. Seinfeld. He's he's doing Franklin and Bash. <laughs> or Rizzoli and Isles. Rizzoli and Isles. I, I mean, that's, is that a Saturday Night lineup? Franklin and Bash, followed by Tebow and Sanchez, followed by Rizzoli and Isles. Then the news. And then, <laughs> and then you look got to go on. They canceled the closer, so something's got to go in there. And oh. Plain Sight's gone. So, you know, you need you need a good crappy show. The closer. I love it. The opener. I don't even want to talk about unwritten rules anymore. I just want to get into production. Call the show the opener. Did you hear what Cal just did? (laughs) The opener. That's genius. You like that? I do. We got to call the show Tebow and Sanchez, though. We got it. No, I'm thinking of another show called The Opener. 
Maybe oh maybe, maybe the name of the serial killer is the opener. They're like the matriculator. Matriculator. <laughs> the ma- the matriculator. Wow. Now 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 you sound like you're in a some sort of I don't know. Well, no, I'm thinking you know, I'm thinking of the mentalist and the closer and <laughs> mentalist, the matriculator. <laughs> the hem and har. Don't say it's bad because you and I both know this could get made. Ab- oh, absolutely. What, Tivo and Sanchez? Absolutely. All, everything that's been said tonight could get made. <laughs> has all of it has a chance. All ideas copyright RTU. Again, Franklin and Bash, the defense rests. <laughs> I do want to. I do want to ask. Uh, uh, should we do uh, unwritten rules, or should we just wrap up with Tebow and Sanchez? Let's wrap I up think, with Tebow and Sanchez. I think. I think we peaked. <laughs> I think that's it. We've done unwritten <laughs> rules like four times in the last two and a half years. So have we really? Yeah, we always seem to come back to it. I just love that. I love that idea that that. Uh, that's the only time I ever loved the Patriots. Is when like like Belichick did this. They they claimed Jake Ballard off of uh, waivers, which is very common. He's out for the year next year, or whatever. So the Giants put him on waivers, figuring nobody would ever do it. It's sort of an unwritten rule that you don't pick up a guy on waivers, and he can't play this year. He's right. not going to be able to play this year. He's going to be injured for the whole year. And Belichick and the Patriots went and picked him up, and they asked. Belichick about it, and they were like, yeah, isn't that kind of an unwritten rule? And what did he say? First of all, there's no such thing as unwritten rules. Right. He said, second of all, I, no. No, it's not an unwritten rule. We picked up a player that we think that can help us down the road. He was put on waivers. They know what the consequence. But I just love that. Like, Belichick just like... He didn't care. Yeah, there's no such thing as unwritten rules. Which brings me to Bill Belichick is the classic example of rules are for the other guy. <laughs> it's true. Like he should have a tattoo that says "rules are for the other guy." That's absolutely true. I, I, I and uh, that just cracks me up. People like that crack me up because I, I just I can't do that. I abide by the unwritten rules. I uh, what I what I wanted to do with it. And we can do it another time, guys. But uh, what I wanted to do with it was because we've never done it with PJ, never had the conversation with PJ, was I wanted to take the unwritten sports rules, not talk about those so much, but the unwritten rules in the rest of life. Oh, I, okay. Yeah, like in real life. Like if there are three urinal stalls and there's nobody at any of them, you don't go to the middle one. That's correct. Unwritten rule. Right. Unwritten rule. Yeah. We all abide by it. Not all of us. Right. Well, if well, I mean, you don't, we well, we do. But. You know who doesn't? Belichick. No, the rules are not for he's him. He's going right to the middle one. He's standing right in the middle. He's standing square in the middle. And he's looking left and looking right. That's right. Your eyes down. <laughs> What's the matter with you? He might be the kind of guy who pulls his pants down at the urinal. Oh, he bare asses it. No, like just down to the ankles. Yeah. Like he's he's that much. I could totally see him being that much of a ruleser for the other guy. Hey, hey, guy! You can't do that in here. I'm, I'm Bill Belichick. I'm Bill Belichick. What are you gonna do about it? Doesn't apply to me. Who's, who's, and and we wrap it up with a few good men. Who's gonna do it? You, you, Lieutenant Weinberg. <laughs> the greatest unsolicited attack on a character ever. <laughs> <laughs> Weinberg. 
Right, he's in the he's in the middle of this ridiculous, you know, epic classic monologue. But he has to take the time out to to make fun of Lieutenant Weinberg. <laughs> I remember when we did that play, we did that play in college and I played Jessup. And uh we did the play version, the Sorkin, you know, the because Sorkin wrote the play well before the movie. And uh <laughs> the guy who played Weinberg one time we were in rehearsal and I, we just used to crack up about that line and I'd get to that line and be like, I have more responsibility than you can possibly fathom. You know, you, you weep for Santiago and you curse the Marines, you have the luxury, blah, blah, blah. You know, uh, who's going to do it? You, you, Lieutenant Weinberg. And in dress rehearsal, he jumped over the desk. <laughs> and the guy playing Weinberg jumped over the desk and came after. <laughs> it was so great. It was like totally That's unexpected. Way to run that. Right. He's like, I am going to do it. I can't do it. And then, like, he, he went at me on the stand. We were all cracking up. Uh, it's completely unsolicited. Who's going to do it? You, you, Lieutenant Weinberg. All right. Bang. That is all the time we're going to take for episode 3.23 of Ready to Unload with Callan Sam Pete. Before we go, final unload, PJ. It's a personal final unload. 20 years ago today, I uh, locked myself in, in, in a room for about two days, and I came out with what I consider uh, was my first really good song. It was a song called Blue Room. So that happened today. Nice. I know that song well. It is a great song. Uh, final unload, Cal. Congratulations to the Los Angeles Kings, Stanley Cup champions of the 2011-2012 season. Uh, I know nobody cares about hockey, and once the Rangers were eliminated, everybody stopped watching, but it was actually a pretty good series, and the Kings won their first Stanley Cup championship, so congratulations to them. Very nice. And uh, my final unload is, uh, I don't know if you guys saw this, but Henry Hill passed away. Uh, The subject of the movie Goodfellas. I have quoted Ray Liotta as Henry Hill about 8 million times in my life. And my favorite was a tweet that I saw about his funeral procession being a long two-shot that would take the funeral procession to the grave with Layla playing in the background. So, uh, uh, I would say rest in peace, Henry Hill, but you know what? You should have been dead a long time ago. So, so long. So long, Henry. All right, we'll, uh, we'll see you guys next week. Thanks very much for Brian Calvi and PJ Cachopo. I'm Steve Sampietro. Good night. Hey, everybody. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper, a woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver? I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, were prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. With the Lucky Land Plus, you can get lucky just about anywhere. 
This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandsLots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.